And all of God's people said, thank you, Lord. And thank you, Mac and team. We're about to celebrate the 247th birthday of America. And so many people, amen. So many people are saying, this is not the same America I knew. Others say, I hardly recognize my country anymore. Whatever happened to us, certainly this is not the America as envisaged by the Founding Fathers. The Founding Fathers who pledged their honor and their fortune, and even their lives, to found the freest and the most generous nation known to man. They would not recognize the America of the 2020s. Freedom of speech, freedom of religion been curtailed, and they're constantly going back to the Supreme Court again and again and again, and they restore it, but they want to take it away from us. Political leadership is self-serving, not people serving. Utter confusion ruling supreme in all aspects of life. We are now among the greatest and the largest debtor nation in the world. Many of the Founding Fathers' foundational stones are being demolished. Enterprise and personal responsibility are giving way to extortion, intimidation, and bullying. To make things worse, the right is now called wrong, and the wrong is glorified. Morality and ethics have become as rare as snow falling on peach tree in July. Our great faithful military is now subjected to social experiments and social engineering. Good men and women who faithfully served, now they stopped from joining the military, replaced by weak and ideologues. Even churches holding drag queens story time for kids. One happened last week just half an hour, half a mile from us here. Men who claim to be women and praised for it. Our parades are not honoring the heroes, but glorifying sin and immorality. The founders dream for a church not to be under the tyranny of a rogue government has now become a nightmare of silencing faithful Christians. The open encouragement for the mockery of the Christian faith, the Christian values, and the Christian morality has now become the norm. Oh, we have come a long way in 247 years but not the right way. 247 years ago, those 56 courageous men who fixed their signatures to the Declaration of Independence, they did so in a total dependence on God alone. Unashamedly, they declared that with firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our fortunes, and our sacred honor. Now compare this to modern politicians. 
modern politicians today who enter into politics with literally a few, few dollars in their bank account. And by the time they serve, they have hundreds of millions of dollars, become wealthy, powerful. And yet these politicians protecting their own wealth and demand that hardworking men and women fork out their hard-earned money to people who can work, but they refuse to work. While the founding fathers sacrificed so much to give us this blessed land, now we have leaders who actually hate the very country that made it possible for them to rise to power and wealth. Figure this one out. Those 56 men who gave us this great country knew very well that if they succeeded, if they succeeded at best, it would mean many years of hardship and struggle, many years of diligently nurturing this greatest experiment in all of human history. But if they failed, they would have to face the hangsman noose as traitors. History can testify to the fact that very few of them survived long after the Declaration of Independence. Five of them were captured during the course of the Revolutionary War. Twelve of them had their homes looted, ransacked, and burnt. One saw his son killed in the war. One had two of his sons captured. Nine of the 56 died during the War of Independence. Young people need to know this. They don't teach that in school anymore. They need to know what brought us to, to, to this land of blessed land we call America. They need to be taught that those who are men who founded this great country that we call the United States of America were men of courage and valor and self-sacrifice. And while they had varying degrees of faith in God, I'm not saying they were all flaming evangelicals. I don't say that. The truth is not there. But they had various degrees in their faith in God, variety of degrees in their faith of God. And yet they all believed that it is better to live under God's authority than man's tyranny. They believed that to be born free and live free is a great privilege. They knew that to die free is an awesome responsibility. Beloved friends, listen to me. You would not have listened to me for a very long time without realizing that I feel privileged. Now we're mocking people who are privileged. Let me tell you something. I am very privileged not just privileged, very privileged to live in this land of the free and the home of the brave. I have very little time for those who badmouth America, those who want us to live in the past, those who want us to wallow in the failure of the past, mistakes and sins of the past, those who are ungrateful, unre unregenerate, those who deny all that America has given them, those who deny the sacrifices of the men and women that have made in order that we can be free today. Certainly, they are ungrateful to those who paid the ultimate price 
with their lives so that we can be free. Please listen. Those who gave, the ver- gave them their very freedom, the very freedom that they have now to protest and to do all the shenanigans they are doing, uh, that, that, that those are the men who died to give us that very freedom. But that's not all. Because of the privilege I feel, because of the benefits I have gained, because of the blessings that their sacrifice afforded me, because of all of that, I feel a sense of responsibility of carrying the torch and legacy to the next generation. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Before you start accusing me of being confused, or before you accuse me, as some have, as a right-wing nationalist, I need to hasten to say that I'm not confused. I'm not confused. I don't confuse America with my ultimate home in heaven. No, I'm not confusing my earthly freedom with my ultimate freedom that's only in Christ Jesus. I'm not confused. (laughs) I'm not confusing my sense of privilege of living in America with the highest privilege of my eternal salvation that is in Christ alone. No, I'm not confused. I'm not confusing this earthly life with my eternal home. I'm not. No, 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 no. I am not confusing my citizenship of heaven with my citizenship here on the earth. Please listen carefully. I, I want to make this very clear. I know, I know that uh, I'm accused of being a right-wing zealot. Just read some of the, some of the websites. <laughs> Others have called me white supremacist. Now, all I can say about this, <laughs> all I can say about this is that they're colorblind. <laughs> if they confuse me with a suntan Swede, <laughs> they need to go and see an eye doctor, get their eyes examined. The fact is this, because I speak truth and because they have rejected the truth, they throw out at me all sorts of false accusations. I know the members of this church know that I'm not confused, but some of you may be visiting, some of you may be our guests here today or or millions of people watching around the world. Uh, the, The members of this church know I'm not confused. I want the members to turn the visitor and say, he's not confused. Please listen to me. I have, and I'll continue as long as God gives me breath, to burn the candle on both ends. To to take the gospel, to take the gospel of Jesus Christ to the ends of the earth. The fact that there are millions of people in 195 countries watching us now live didn't just happen. It took long hours, hard work, sacrifices on part of some. And the fact that occasionally I loudly and boldly speak political and social truth, it does not mean that I have taken my eyes off of the prize, which is the Lord Jesus Christ alone. 
Well, now that I got your attention, I can get to my message. I always get to my message. Again, members, turn to your visitor friend and tell you, he, he always gets his message. <laughs> On this 247th anniversary of the birth of this great nation, I want us to look at the Scripture and examine what it means to be a citizen of heaven, but also to be a good, faithful steward and citizen of a country. And God gives us the answer. Thank God I don't have to come up with the answer. Turn with me, please, to Jeremiah chapter 29. Jeremiah 29. As you're finding it in your Bibles or iPhone or whatever you got, uh, all the eyes. I want to put this text in its historical context. Always put the text in its historical context. Those words of Jeremiah were spoken as a message to God's people who have been taken captives into exile in Babylon. They were taken captives into a pagan land with pagan leaders and pagan religions. They were pressed, suppressed, harassed, persecuted. Some of them even were killed because of their faithfulness to Yahweh. And yet, in the exile, that exile did not happen in a vacuum. That capturing of God's people into captivity did not happen in a vacuum. For hundreds of years prior to the Babylonian exile, for hundreds of years, just think about the incredible patience of God. For hundreds of years, prophet after prophet after prophet have said to them, pleaded with them, implored them, warned them again and again. God says to them, stop being unfaithful to Yahweh. Turn to the one true God, the one who redeemed you from the slavery of Egypt, uh, that their continuous compromising of their faith, that their continuous and con co constant uh, worshiping false God and Yahweh, that their compromise of worshiping Yahweh on the Sabbath and Baal for the rest of the week, that all of that rebellion and compromise will bring about God's judgment. And he told them that year after year, decade after decade, for hundreds of years, when all of that warning went unheeded, when all of this imploring was ignored, when all of the, his invitations for them to repent were scorned, when all of this prodding was scoffed, finally God permitted a pagan, godless power to rule supreme. In fact, recently Nick and I have been texting each other. So many of, of our members here are going through the Bible, chronological Bible, daily chronological Bible. We've been doing this for years. I've been doing this for 30 years. And, and so many of the members are doing the same. And, and, and Nick was going through this, and he texted me. He said, reading Micah and the other prophets, he said, this reminds me of our day. I said, yes. 
except I believe that we will not be taken captives into foreign land, but we're going to be captives inside our land. It breaks my heart. But that's the warning that God is giving us. I know, and I only speak for me, I don't even speak for the church, I know that the judgment of God has already begun for the compromising church of Jesus Christ in the West. Three times in the, in the book of Romans, Epistle to the Romans, chapter 1, God gave them up, God gave them up, God gave them up. And my beloved friends, please listen to me. All you need to do is open your eyes, and you'll see how company after company after company, how corporation after corporation, how institution after institution who are willing to sacrifice billions of dollars in losses in order to please the pagan gods of sexual perversion and demonic invasion. In August, I'll be talking about this new world order and the World Economic Forums and the Tower of Babel. Time has never changed. People don't change. Whenever there's somebody sets up an arrival to God, God deals with them. Now that I trust you found Jeremiah 29. <laughs> Look with me at verse 4. Here is what God said to his people in the land of demonic gods. This is what the Lord God Almighty, the God of Jerusalem, says to all those, listen to this, that I have carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. You see, we don't want to think of God, that the judgment of God is coming. We want to think of God as just a kind of milk toast. Father Christmas, as they say in England, who just sits there and laughs and everybody just do whatever you want. He's happy. I carried you. After hundreds of years of warnings, after hundreds of years of prodding and begging them to turn to the one living God, then he said, I carried you into the Babylonian exile. What is God saying to them? Indeed, saying to us and to all the faithful believers today, to these faithful believers who were living in that pagan culture, he told them to be faithful citizens. He told them to be good stewards, even in the midst of their exile, even in the land of captivities. Look at verse 7. Seek the peace and the prosperity of the city. That's in Babylon, in which I, here it comes again, I carried you into exile. Beloved, there's one thing that always, always brings me to tears when I'm reading the story of Noah. And I remember Jesus saying, he said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days before the return of the Son of Man. And Jesus' return is around the corner because we're seeing the days of Noah happening right now. And when they refused to respond, the Bible said, God shut the door. Not Noah, God. You see, I'm not here to make Jesus look good. I'm not here to market Jesus. Jesus is loving. Jesus is caring. 
Jesus proved his love and hanging on that cross, the sinless, perfect Son of Man died for sinners. But the day is coming when they refuse to accept his invitation to come and repent and believe in him. The door will be shut. The day is now. If you have never committed your life to Jesus Christ, don't leave this building until you do so. Beloved, in a general sense, in a general sense, all the believers on the earth, all the believers on the earth are, in, in, in a general sense, they are in exile. We are in this exile. We are sojourners. We are travelers. We are on our way home to heaven. That's biblical from cover to cover. But that does not mean that we do nothing while we're waiting to go home to heaven. There are a lot of people who think that. There are a lot of people who want to put on white robes and head for the mountains. That's not what Jesus said. We've got to be occupying, as Jesus said. I'm going to quote him in a minute. I See, I believe with all my heart. Please humor me. Just, just, just humor me. You only have to put up with me for a few more minutes. And then you're free to leave. <laughs> there are misguided people on both sides of the spectrum. On the extremes, on the left, we have people who hate America and wish its demise. On the right, we have people who say America has turned away from God and it deserves God's judgment. Others still have misplaced their hope and placed it on politicians. But God said, seek the peace and the prosperity of the city. Listen to me. We must pray that God may have mercy on America, not its downfall. We must pray, must intercede for the lost to come to Christ, not their destruction. We must sacrifice so that men and women, boys and girls, come to Jesus and thus change America, not its demise. We are to longingly call our fellow citizens to repent, not wishing them harm. Oh, by all means, <laughs> we are to stand up. By all means, we are to stand up and proclaim the truth at any cost, not wring our hands and say, what can we do now? We need to stand up and be counted, not to raise the white flag of surrender. We need to cry to God to save His people, and then that they may experience forgiveness of their sins and God's blessings once again. Even some of my friends, some of my friends, believe it or not, are saying to me, Michael, it's just too late. Give up. Give up. Why? Oh, listen, here's what they don't understand, okay? And I'll explain it to you. And if you understand it, God bless you. If you don't, God bless you. You see, those of us who have escaped the horrors of socialism, totalitarianism, and dictatorship, those of us have escaped to the land of the free and the home of the brave, we feel obligated to remind those who are born in this country those who don't know, and even my own children, to not to take the privilege of being an American for granted. 
And that is why I will keep reminding, and I know many of my fellow immigrants will do that, will keep reminding, <laughs> don't surrender to the evil forces. Don't settle for the invasions of the Antichrist with a small a who are invading every aspect of life. Don't abandon your stewardship for your citizenship. Hear me right, please. Uh, my, my wife and I were in what former Eastern Europe, uh, European countries back two years ago. And I remember people saying to us, do the Americans understand that the socialism that they're flirting with, it nearly destroyed us here. In fact, that's exactly what Jesus said to the disciples in Luke chapter 19, verse 13. Here's what he said to them. He said, occupy till I come. He said what? Occupy. occupy till I come. Not surrender until I come. Not mark time until I come. Not withdraw from society until I come. Not give up the fight until I come. No. For this is the very defeatist attitude that brought us to the mess that we're in. When evil forces took over academic institutions, Christians withdrew. When evil forces took over the media, Christians withdrew. When evil forces took over the halls of government, Christians withdrew. But no, we are to what? Occupy. We are to invade Satan's territories. We are to stand toe-to-toe with the enemy of our soul because he's a defeated foe. We are to count the cost and prepare to pay the cost of occupying until Jesus comes back. My beloved friends, God has shown us. He has shown us. He proved to us how 50 years of praying and crying to God and acting and working, He has shown us that the impossible happened after 50 years. Uh, And when everybody says Roe v. Wade is a settled law, God in His mercy heard and answered the prayers of the faithful one, and He deleted Roe v. Wade out of the screen. We need to do the same thing in every aspect of life. Ah, but listen to me. We must do it lovingly, lovingly and thoughtfully. Seek the peace and the prosperity of the city. That means that we are tenaciously proclaim that God's way is a better way, that God's way is a better way. God's way for marriage is the best. God's way of sexual purity is the best. God's way for accepting His created order of two genders, men and women, is the best. God's way of loving people into the kingdom and rejecting hate is the best. God's way of shunning violence and loving peace is the best. God's way for family life is the best. We must proclaim it and proclaim it 
and then proclaim it again. You know, every now and again, I do remind this congregation historically that America has been in trouble before, morally, spiritually, ethically. In fact, there are several times in American history where we've reached a very low ebb, very low ebb. And then because of the faithful prayer of the faithful children of the living God, because of people cried to God for mercy, He sent us awakenings. The first great awakening took place under Jonathan Edwards, and then the second great awakening, I'll be telling you about it in just a few moments. You see, when God's people obey God's Word, that's who I care about. I care about God's people because we ought to know better. When we come under spiritual authority of the Word of God, God can and He will change things. Even a hundred years, right, a hundred years after the Declaration of Independence, exactly a hundred years, to be exact, was 1876. 1776, that was 1876. President James A. Garfield, speaking to the Congress, issued the following warning. He said, now more than ever, before the people, let me repeat this. Sometimes my eyes tears up, I can't read my own writing. Now more than ever before, the people are responsible for the character of the Congress. For that body, talking about the Congress, if it be ignorant, reckless, and corrupt, it's because people tolerated ignorance, recklessness, and corruption. But if it is be, but if it is be intelligent, brave, and pure, it is because people demanded those high qualities to represent them. My beloved friends who know and love Jesus more than any other citizens, more than any other citizens, we the believers in Jesus Christ, we the believers in Jesus Christ have absolutely double responsibility. We have double responsibility. We are to be committed to being good citizens, but secondly, we, are, we have an added responsibility that's only for the believers. And that is because we know that God can do and great and mighty things and will answer faithful prayer, we must cry to God. Now, you've heard this formula before, some of you at least, and it's written some years ago by a Scottish thinker regarding the history of nations. He said it goes something like this. Nations go from bondage to faith, from faith to courage, from courage to liberty, from, lib from liberty to abundance, from abundance to selfishness, from selfishness to complacency, from complacency to apathy, from apathy to dependence, from dependence back to bondage. We are sadly the generation, we are the generation that is experiencing certainly apathy, which is leading us to dependence, can bondage be far away? Can bondage be far away? When you think 
that we're probably already here. And the trillions of dollars that we owe, we are in bondage. The very fact that we're one of the greatest detonations in the world is a clear indication that bondage is not far away. And so let us commit to praying. Let's commit to praying. Let's commit to working and asking God to lead us back to faith. Renew America by renewing its people. Let me conclude by telling you this little historical fact I shared with this congregation once before. It's my heart hope that would encourage us in these dark days. Oh, I wish I've shared more details, but I'll give you just the, the headlines here. What led to that stark speech by President Garfield that 19 years earlier, only 19 years earlier, not even 20, 19 years earlier, America was experiencing economic downturn and degradation. It was known as the 1857 run on the banks or the 1857, the panic of 1857. It was worse depression, read the history, than the 1920s. High unemployment, bank closings, people were angry and frustrated. But then a layman, and I always like to emphasize that because some people think, oh, this is the job of the preachers. No, 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 no. Job of the preachers and evangelists call people to turn to Christ. This was a layman, a businessman in New York City. Literally, God used him to rescue the nation through prayer. On September 23, 1857, 1857, Jeremiah Lamphere advertised a prayer meeting in the upper room of the consistory building in Manhattan, starting a very small group of people. Very few people showed up. Lunchtime meeting. Very few people showed up. But he persisted, and he persisted week after week, months after months. Eventually, God used that prayer meeting to spread all over the nation and literally swept the nation back to God and brought us such amazing work for a hundred years. In fact, most historians tell us that we felt the effect of that awakening until the 1950s. Beloved, the very forces of hell that are being unleashed today they're all of them are no match to our God. They're no match to our God. Not politicians, not even good policies, which I, I, I admire and I support, but God. Who? God. Who? God. God is the one who can rescue us and take us safely to the harbor, to the shore of the other side of heaven. Can you pray with me, please? As every eye is closed and every head is bowed, there's one person here who would say, Michael, I have not committed my life to Christ, or I may have done that so, some years ago, but I really want to do that. I want to renew my love for Christ. I want to renew my walk with Christ, or I want to do this for the first time, just slip your hands up in the air, and I'll pray with you and for you. Slip your hand and back, 
very quickly. Raise your hand. I see it. I see it. I can see in the balcony. Yes. Thank you. This may be a spiritual birthday for some, renewal for others. One more time before I pray. Yes, young man, I can see the hand. Yes. Yes. I see it in the balcony. Father, you know the hearts. You, you know the secrets of our hearts. We don't have to explain things to you because you are omnipresent, omniscient God. And we know that your Holy Spirit has spoken to, to all of us in different ways today. May we take those words we heard with our outward ears, treasure them in our hearts. And Father, for those who have raised their hands in the name of Jesus, you know where they are and who they are. I pray that you, Holy Spirit, come be dwelling in them, deep in their hearts, so they walk with you and then share you with others. And Father, for the rest of us who have known you and walked with you for years, renew us as our day of old. For we pray this in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, praise the Lord. Would you stand and sing with us, please?